0: Hey, it's Justin, and I have a big announcement and personal invitation for you. This May, we're inviting a small group of people to Austin to learn how to grow their wealth tax-free and get access to some of my personal friends and experts in the industry. We did something similar last year, and the feedback was incredible, so we set aside a few tickets for non-Mastermind members to join us for this event. You'll spend some time learning from Garrett Gunderson, the brilliant and hilarious mind behind Money Unmasked, and the New York Times and Wall Street Journal best-selling book, Killing Sacred Cows, and one of my favorite books, What Would the Rockefellers Do? He's going to share his insights on how to grow your assets tax-free with life insurance. And you'll also get some time with Rob Dial, the mastermind behind the Mindset Mentor Podcast, who will share with you how to find fulfillment in success. Then you'll get to participate in a special investment presentation, in-depth discussions, and breakout sessions on two crucial yet often overlooked topics, personalized tax strategies and wealth building. Plus, when you register, you'll have the opportunity to attend a one-day course the day before on vetting deals. If you want to learn our process so that you can make great decisions, there's no better teacher than Hans Box. This is our most requested topic, and it'll be an exceptional course. Seats for the course and the one day event are limited. So if you're interested, please grab your ticket today. I always say you're just one connection, one decision, and one strategy away from true freedom, and I look forward to helping you on your journey. Head over to lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash live or click the link around this video and secure your ticket now before we sell out. Hope to see you in Austin this May. Once again, that's lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash live. I can't wait to see you there. Now, let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the Lifestyle Investor Podcast. Imagine being able to earn passive income, build long-term wealth, while gaining total freedom from your business or job. That's what lifestyle investing is all about. I'm your host, Justin Donald, and in less than two years, my investments drove enough passive income for both my wife and me to quit our jobs. And now I want to show you how to do the same. I want to teach you how to create wealth without creating a job. You'll learn the exact same investment strategies I use to multiply my net worth to over eight figures all before the age of 40. If you want to learn all about low risk cash flow investing, achieve financial freedom, and live the life you truly desire, this podcast is going to show you exactly how to do it. Today, I'm speaking with Rachel Richards. Rachel and I have taken similar paths in life. She did very well selling Cutco, then took the leap to write a best-selling book and build a business buying real estate rentals. By age 27, she had quit her full-time job and successfully created over $15,000 a month in passive income. At Money Honey Rachel, she provides resources to help female millennials take control of their financial future. She's on a mission to empower young adults, not just to manage, but to change the way they feel about money once and for all. In our conversation, Rachel and I talk about how she discovered real estate investing and passive income as a kid, made her financial dreams come true as she became a full-time investor in her 20s, and the work she's doing now to help people just like her achieve real financial independence. One more thing before we get to today's interview. If you haven't already, be sure to hit the subscribe button on Apple or wherever you listen so new episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. Thanks for listening. And without further delay, my conversation with Rachel Richards. Hey, Rachel, so glad to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us.
1: Hey, Justin. Thanks for having me.
0: So I am thrilled to have you. You have such a cool story that I want to get into. But before we get into the story, I think it's really cool to share with our listeners how we know each other. And it's really interesting because we both have a similar path when we were younger. And we both have written a book. And we both got into real estate. And there's, there's so many similarities. But I often like to start a show talking about connecting and how we met.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think our paths crossed way back in the Cutco days. And so I knew of you, but I don't think we knew each other directly then, which I was selling Cutco a decade ago. Oh my gosh, I'm so old. (laughs) 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 And I think it was Dave Powders, who's one of my favorite people in the world who said, Hey, you should talk to this Justin guy. He's coming out with his book. And I reached out to you and we hit it off.
0: That's awesome. Well, Dave is a dear friend of mine as well. And I just I love his family. And and we've done a lot of stuff together. In fact, we're part of front row dads together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's just a great group. And I just love spending time with especially family oriented people. You know, in that group, it's men who pick family over business. And Mm -hmm. I just think that that's powerful. Yes. So how did you make this big leap? Then You, you went from being in Cutco and you obviously did well to be able to move up to the position that you were in. But you at some point you left and you're doing real estate. And it's funny because I had heard about you from Dave Powders. And then one of my other friends sent me an article that you were in. This is a dear friend, a fraternity brother. And he's like, you should check out this girl, Rachel Richards. I just read a really cool article on her. And I think she she should be on your podcast. And <laughs> It's so funny because the timing of which you connecting and my friend sending that article and then me talking to Dave it was all you know within a week week and a half period of time <laughs> and so it just seemed perfect. Meant to be. I love it. <laughs> That's right. So you've done great work in real estate buying real estate rentals. I'd love to know what made you even want to get into that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I was a personal finance nerd from a really young age, still am today. And I remember even being in sixth grade and reading my first book about finance, which was Motley Fool's Guide for Teens, How to Have More Money Than Your Parents Ever Dreamed Of, which to me at the time sounded fabulous. So I read everything I could... I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad in high school, and that's what first turned me on to real estate investing. And I thought, this is it. This is my path to financial independence. The first hurdle was, okay, I need to graduate from college without debt. That's why I I sold Cutco. And so I sold, I hustled, I set sales records in Kentucky for those 4 years, and I graduated without debt, which even when I was making a really low income after that, it set me up to be able to still save money and then later invest in real estate. So my first job out of college I was a financial advisor. I was making 36 grand and saving half of my income, living on wow. 1500 a month. Yeah. It was bare bones <laughs> and I was not living with my parents. So
0: Well, and I'm not wowing the 36,000. I'm wowing the 50% savings. That's incredible. I mean, you're an anomaly. Most people can't do that. I mean, that that's not normal. Good for yes. you. Yes.
1: Thank you. Thank you. It was a lot of sacrifice. And I, I feel lucky that I had the foresight by educating myself through books that I knew the power of investing at a young age. So I, I sort of had that motivation and that knowledge. So it didn't take long for me and then my husband to kind of save up, up enough money to invest in real estate. So we purchased our first duplex in 2017. I was 24 at the time and we were investing in Louisville, Kentucky. So the duplex cost 100 grand. Pretty cheap, right? And we both had 10 grand of our own money that we had saved by then. So that got us to our $20,000 down payment. And that's how we initially got started.
0: It's so cool. And for your husband to be on the same page, I feel like often that's not the case because you're going from a normal job, right? Being a financial advisor, he may or may not have had a normal job. Right. And then all of a sudden, you're talking about buying real estate and putting a down payment. And what if you lose all your money? And what if it doesn't work out? And what if you have to evict your tenants? And it's just a horrible fit. And so these are all the things that kind of go through people's minds. What was it like for you two? Were you both always on the same page? Did you have to convince him? Did he have to convince you?
1: We are both smart entrepreneurial people. And that's why we're together. And when we first met, he had already tried to start a different business that didn't work out. But I loved that about him because I was like, Oh my gosh, he's out there trying. He want, you know, He's an entrepreneur. And so I turned him on to real estate investing. And it definitely didn't take any convincing. It was just, Hey, here's how this works. And he was like, Oh my gosh, let's do this. So we, we immediately were on the same page on wanting to get invested in real estate.
0: That's really cool, and it's nice. It's nice that you don't have to talk someone else into it. I think that that is a huge key, and we've got a lot of similarities because I paid for college uh, by selling Cutco, and that was really wonderful for me. And and I mean, I I don't know what I would have done otherwise. And uh, I then got into real estate, and it was the first thing that I did as my first alternative investment venture. And I remember. Getting into real estate. So I had the luxury of buying real estate as a single person. So I didn't really have to run anything by anyone. And, uh, but then when I got married, that was the conversation. It's like, hey, this is what I'm thinking. I know this might sound a little kind of off the wall because this is not normal. But at the same point in time, a lot of my life hadn't been quote unquote normal. I always would say to people that whatever the masses are doing, Like, I want to do the opposite. I I don't want to follow the crowd because most of the time the crowd is wrong, at least financially. And so it looks like you did that.
1: Oh my gosh. It's just so crazy, Justin, because that's exactly what I've always said, is whatever everyone else is doing, I want to do the opposite. That's so funny that you just said that.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. I love it. So this first deal, how did it go?
1: It went well. Actually, we got really lucky. Of course, you don't get lucky without working hard. But we got lucky. It's one of the best deals we'll have ever done. So we'll kind of back up a little bit. You know, We started looking for properties nine months before we even closed. And I like to say this because it took several offers made. It took even an accepted contract that fell through on another property to even find this one. And so this is something where you have to be patient and you cannot settle. Because at some point, you'll get discouraged. You'll start feeling desperate, like, I just want to close on my first rental. And that's when you make a poor investment. So you really need to be patient and confident that the right thing will come along. That's one thing we did really well. Another thing is, I had my real estate license at the time. So I didn't have it for helping clients buy or sell houses. I had it for my own purposes as a real estate investor, which was great because I had access to the MLS. I could have a slight time advantage amongst other people. So this deal in particular, I was looking at expired and canceled listings on the MLS. And I was just making it a regular habit to reach out to people, to stay in touch with people. I would, I would email some of these list agents once a month and just say, hey, I'm still here. If your client ever changes his mind, wants to put the property for sale, I'm interested. Just super friendly, you know, staying top of mind. And what happened with this particular duplex is I've been emailing this agent for probably six months. And so she remembered me. She knew my name. And when it came time for them to put that property back on the market, she reached out to us first. And she said, Hey, do you guys still want to make an offer? Because we're going to list this next week. And I was like, Oh my gosh, yes. So I made an offer, which to be able to do that is such an advantage. So we made an offer. It was about a $100,000 duplex. I recognized that it was an amazing price already. So we bought it for a hundred grand. And that's essentially how we got our first deal.
0: That's awesome, and you know it's it's great a lot of people maybe they don't understand the value of finding something off market and I talk about this in my book with commandment three: finding invisible deals, and one of the types of invisible deals is off market because when you do an off market deal, there's either no competition or very little competition, and so you don't get bid up, and that is a huge advantage, as you said. Uh, I think that's great and and I want to piggyback on something else you said because I made a mistake in the opposite direction. So you said you've done a good job of keeping up with people. And, and to a certain degree, most of my career, I've been pretty good at that. But there was one property that I wanted to buy. And I had put in my calendar to call this owner every six months. We were so close on so many different occasions. And so it got to a point where I just wondered if it was even going to work out. Well, I ended up not reaching out this last time, which would have been at the six-month mark. And then one of my friends said, Hey, I am about to put a property under contract, but I can't afford to do it myself. And uh, I was just wondering if you wanted it. You know, you could pay me an assignment and you can take it. And I looked at it and I said, Oh my goodness, this is the property (laughs) that I have been negotiating for like Uh. eight years. And they ended up selling it 6 months ago to a group uh, that's just... I mean, they I don't know how long they've been working on it. From talking to them, it sounds like they hadn't known about it long. And it was just the right time at the right place. I didn't do my check-in call. They end up doing a seller finance note on this. And so it it gets even worse though, because these are all the things that I had negotiated. So it was like all the terms that I had negotiated that he wouldn't pull the trigger on. uh, Just quite yet. He just wasn't ready to let it go. And so I asked what the price was. And within six months, they're listing it for twice the amount he paid for the park. uh, This property. Oh my gosh. So this is a 100% profit with virtually nothing added to it inside of six months. And now I have it under contract at that higher price because it's still worth that price. Wow. Uh, And so that was a great lesson for me to just... Even if I think that someone's not going to, or even if I'm unsure if I even want to play in that space anymore, that I just need to follow up once you get permission. Because one of the things I like to do is follow up with people and say, Hey, is it all right if I reach back out after a period of time? Because when you're trying to get off-market deals, the key is the relationship with the owner. That's the key. 100%. and, And it's a personal thing. They get to know you. They like you. In this case, I guess I didn't do a good enough job.
1: <laughs> it's a painful lesson. You know, it's, it's a painful lesson. And I think investors make mistakes no matter where they are at or how good they are, or how long they've been doing this. And so one of the things I tell myself now, because I'm not going to stop making mistakes. We're all going to keep messing up. But I, I just tell myself now, well, yeah, that was an expensive lesson that I paid to learn. That was my tuition payment. And now I know not to ever make that mistake
0: again. Yeah, that's so good. It's, uh, it's just such a funny thing where, uh, you know, what could have been, and that is just, that's penalty enough. It's it's Mm -hmm. learning that hard lesson. So at this point, it's more comical than anything. And it's such a great teaching point, but at the end of the day, it's like, Oh, I was so close. And so that's where persistence pays. Yeah. So you just told us about your first property and it's going to end up being one of your best or at least at this yeah, point. Yeah, I
1: can go yes. into numbers if you want. Do you want me to
0: yeah. kind of talk number? Okay. Yeah, give us the numbers.
1: Yeah. So when we bought this duplex, one unit was rented. It was under rented, but it was rented. And then one unit was completely uninhabitable. So we had to do a total renovation. We put some money into it, which we had actually negotiated with a seller's concession. So we weren't even putting our own money into it. It was something we negotiated at closing, which was also... A smart thing that I did. And so we did this renovation. Yeah. Yeah. Because we didn't have money at the time. And we were like, hardly had enough money to come up with the down payment alone, let alone, you know, a 10 or 15k renovation, we wouldn't be able to do that. So we basically said, Hey, we'll pay you a higher purchase price if you do the seller's concession. So that's what we did. The property was immediately cash flowing after we renovated $500 a month in profit. And now it is cash flowing closer to $800 a month in profit. We bought it for 100 and it's now worth 175 just three, four years later. And our cash on cash return, I believe, is about 25%. So it's just one of the best deals we'll have ever done.
0: So that's incredible. And so this is the thing that I want people to hear is like $500 a month. To some people, they're like, that is incredible. And to other people, they're like, oh, I'd want a better return. But it's all about the dollars that you put in. So yeah. you are earning between $500 and $800 a month right, from what it was to what it is now in profit. This is above and beyond any of the costs. So this thing's cash flowing. But you did it off of what? $20,000 20 down.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That is fantastic. So 25% you know in your returns you had probably larger than a 3 point spread probably closer to a 4 point spread between the interest rate the the cap rate and the the interest rate you paid for the the mortgage right
1: Oh for sure yeah
0: That's awesome I mean what a great first deal what a great yeah. first way to and, and what's awesome about this Rachel is is you are a person who has walked the talk you had a you know a normal job And you were able to transition from that normal job into being a real estate investor. And, you know, once you do it once, it it gets exciting and you get the itch and you have confidence that you can do it again. And eventually, I know the story already, but I'd love to hear it because you eventually transitioned into a full time investor.
1: Yes, yes. So 2017 is where it all began for me and Andrew, my husband. Before that, we didn't have any passive income. We didn't have any side hustle. We were both working 40-hour weeks at our jobs, working our butts off. And 2017 is the year where everything started. So we got our first rental. And then later that year, I wrote my first book, Money, Honey. So we had these two passive income streams, rental income and royalty income. We basically focused on growing those as much as we possibly could over the next few years. So fast forward to 2019. By then... We had grown our income streams to ten thousand dollars per month in profit. And I was able to quit my job and retire, which I put in quotes because I'm not I'm still working, obviously. I'm just financially independent now. But that's kind of the the high level of what we did and how we did it. And I'm happy to dive deep into, into whatever you want to talk about.
0: We should because you are very young to be financially independent. So at what age did you hit financial independence?
1: Age 27 is when I was 27 is when we were making 10 grand a month in passive profit, which was more than enough to cover our expenses. So that was financial independence for us.
0: That's exciting. I talk about this in my book because so many people are chasing net worth. And it's one of those things where it's like, if you are focused on net worth, net worth is kind of a, a fictitious number, because a lot of it is based on maybe a value that you give your business that other people won't, or it's based on where the stock market is if you're heavily invested there at that time, but that can change in a moment. And really, it's, it's paper money till you get a chance to utilize it, right? So it, it doesn't really... You have no utility on most of what people consider their net worth until there's some sort of exit scenario, or you retire and you can actually draw down those funds. So I love the idea of building cash flow. Because when you build cash flow, you're also building your net worth at the same time. But the emphasis is on the portion that allows you to live life today and not wait until you are retired. And you figure that out young. Wow.
1: Exactly. Yes. Well, I'm so glad you bring this up because there's this emphasis in our society to focus on wealth accumulation, right? Building up your nest egg, working for 40 years so that you can have a million or two million by age 65 and retire. And that used to work well, but times have changed so much, right? Like costs of college have ballooned, which has placed an enormous burden on our generation. Social Security Trust Fund is projected to be fully depleted by the year 2034. I mean, that's terrifying. Pensions are a thing of the past. So this whole nest egg theory, it just doesn't work the same way that it used to. And that's why I love talking about passive income and cash flow, because to me, making, you know, generating five, six, eight thousand dollars a month in passive income is a lot more attainable than trying to save up $2 million by age 65. And to your point, it allows you to live your life now and actually retire at a young age. So I think. Everyone needs to move towards this cash flow is king concept. That's what's going to help you achieve financial independence young.
0: Yeah. And, and that's the thing is, what other way can you achieve it that young? There, there are very few ways, unless you have a big exit or you maybe had wealth in your family. There are very few ways. The odds are not really in your favor to do it outside of that. And, but they're really in your favor inside of it. And I think Mm -hmm. that that's cool. But I also love that you come from the financial services industry. And so your method as a financial advisor and being in that space is very much that of wealth accumulation. It's the nest egg approach. And it's uh, investing in qualified plans and deferring taxes to an unknown time where we don't even know what it's going to be, though it's likely going to be more than what it is today, just based on where our debt is as a nation and the fact that our government's going to need to figure out ways to, to cover that. So it's, it's interesting that you went through an education that, in my opinion, really steers financial advisors to one path. And it mm-hmm. doesn't, it's not like a, hey, here are all the options. It's like, here's what we want. Here's what Wall Street wants you to communicate so that they have access to your money and they can invest it however they see fit. And I'm curious how you were able to see past that.
1: You know, that's a good question. I I only lasted for a year as a financial advisor for a few reasons. First of all, when you start out, you're not helping people with their money. You're, You're prospecting and you're cold calling. And I didn't see myself cold calling people for the next 10 years. I wanted to actually help people. And the second thing was, I just had this instinct that even when I was able to sit down with clients and help them invest, just felt like I wasn't really helping them. It wasn't really adding value to them. And there are so many financial advisors that are misincentivized because the way that they are paid and they push products onto their clients that are not in their best interest. Sometimes they do it with good intentions. Sometimes they do it with bad intentions. But the problem is the pay structure doesn't align their interests in the correct way. So I just saw a lot of things that I didn't feel was right. And I'm just so passionate about teaching financial literacy and truly adding value and helping people. That's why I didn't last that long. I thought to myself, I need to find a different way to make an impact and a different way to help people manage their money.
0: I love hearing that. And you're you're so spot on in so many ways. And I I do want to make the disclaimer that there are great financial advisors out there. I've got a lot of friends that do it. Absolutely. Unfortunately, it's a small percentage based on my experience. And what I have found in asking the tough questions and this one I found out, I was just flabbergasted, is when I would ask, well, are you invested in the same product that you are recommending me to invest in? Mm. And almost every time it's a no. And I just didn't understand why I was being offered things that they wouldn't invest in themselves. But you answered it earlier. It's a lot of advisors are incentivized by the the kickbacks and the commissions and offering certain products and uh, higher commission products, you know, to me always has stood out. And I, I had read this before, but then I did my own research. And so you can double check the facts on this. If you go back to there's a report done. And I don't know if the 2020 report is done yet, but the 2019 one is done for the last 15 years of what is the S&P 500 index uh, what did that perform at compared to actively managed funds so having your money with a you know with someone that actively manages it and 95% of the time in the last 15 years was an active manager outperformed by just having your money in the S&P 500 index. So in other words, only 5% of active managers, active fund managers were able to produce a return that beat a simple index, which a simple index is the cheapest way to have exposure to the stock market. That's your lowest feed opportunity to get in. And the 5% that beat it are likely at such an extraordinary Just a such a high cost threshold that most people won't even have access to them anyway. So that was just really eye opening to me.
1: Right, and yet we pay these active managers so much money, but we're not even outperforming just a stock market index. So yeah, a huge eye opener. I mean, I tell people invest in index funds, invest in ETFs, invest for the long run, look for the lowest fee funds you can get. Like that's the most surefire way to get a good return on your investment.
0: Yeah. And that's a good point because... So not only are you 95% of the time, uh, and it's probably even more like 98%, 99% of the time, not per- outperforming the S&P 500, but you're also paying a fee to them to not outperform it. Yes. <laughs> that's the craziest part about it. So I love that you were able to see that and say, you know what, I want to get out and I want to do things differently and on my terms and I'm going to figure it out myself and then I'll be able to help and teach people along the way. So, let me ask you this. What what is most exciting and inspiring to you right now? Like what's what's making you get up each day with energy and passion for the day?
1: There's a few things. I'm a very curious person. I get bored easily. So, I'm always kind of looking for the next project, the next thing that I'm doing. I'm obsessed with learning about real estate syndications right now. As you know, that's my obsession. <laughs> and then my other thing though, is that I'm hearing a lot from my platform that they want to learn more about real estate investing from me. So they're like, "Rich Rachel, when are you coming out with the course? When are you doing this? So I've been doing a lot more content about that, which is fun because it's something I'm so passionate about. And it's so great when your passion aligns with being able to solve someone's problem and with what other people want to know. So that's that's where I'm headed right now is probably creating a real estate investing
0: course. That is cool. I love it. So I have done the same thing because I love just building products and content. And the course has just been such a huge game changer. And it's easy to have extra passive impact. There's a nice passive income aspect to it. But at the smaller dollar points that I, you know, have for these, it's much more about just getting the word out so more people can can have access to it. And I know that you you get that and believe in that. But I can't even tell you how many people have been reaching out just because of going through that course and the mental mind shift, like that they have had these shifts of of total uh, opinions or beliefs. Based on it, and so I think that that is an awesome path for you to pursue. You know, you and I have been having some fun because I run a mastermind and investor club series, and uh, you've been joining us on a lot of these calls. And so, you know, I was really curious. I wanted to ask you what have you thought about this because this is a different world than what you have done for the most part. Now, we do some real estate syndications because I'm a big fan of that too, and and you <laughs> know that. But you've gotten yeah. exposed to some other stuff too. I'm really curious. What are some of the things that have stood out to you since you like to learn and you like to get out your comfort get outside of your comfort zone? What is yeah, that?
1: Yeah, it's been so fascinating to me because it's also just the right timing. So we, you know, we have 38 units now. They're all in Kentucky. We moved to Colorado last year and we mostly self-manage, which I know we could have a property manager, but ever since we moved away, it's been out of sight, out of mind. We've been lazy We haven't done a great job. We're not making as much money as we could be making. And there's definitely a level of liability with directly owning real estate. And of course, people have things like LLCs and umbrella insurance. But I just was starting to think, maybe it's time for us to start selling these. The problem that we had, though, is like, well, there goes our cash flow. How are we going to keep generating cash flow? Plus being a real estate owner, so many benefits. It's the best hedge against inflation. You have tax benefits. So we just couldn't figure out what to do. Once I started learning about real estate syndications, I thought, oh my gosh, this solves all of our problems. This solves all of our problems. It's such a cool thing because as an investor, you travel along this time versus money spectrum. Normally when you first start out, money is scarce. Time is abundant. You're willing to self-manage. You're willing to go down there and fix toilets because you have more, more time than money, right? But then as you progress and you scale, then it kind of flips and you get to the point where you have more money than time. So it's, wait a second, how can we protect our time? How can we make money without having to invest so much time, even if it's less money that we're making? we would rather have that and and protect our very valuable time. So we're at that point and the real estate syndications, again, it just solves all those problems. So we're actually starting to sell a couple of our rentals and we're going to transition all that money into syndications and
0: different opportunities. That's cool. That's really fun. Now, here's the interesting thing about uh, real estate. So when you own your own property, you have deeded property, you own the deed, And so what ends up happening is if you want to do a 1031 exchange where you can roll the or or defer the taxes to a later point in time when you sell that new property, as long as what you're buying that's new is equal to or greater than uh, what you are selling. And there are a few other rules, but just to keep things simple, you can roll it into a new investment, you can defer that tax liability, and you can ultimately do that in perpetuity even until you die and never have paid taxes. So that's pretty cool. Now, what a lot of people don't realize is that in a 1031, you can't typically take deeded property and roll the proceeds into a fund or into even a syndication that you don't own outright. And so if you do that, you're going to lose the 1031 opportunity and you're going to have to pay taxes on that. But if you've held it over a year, then you're going to pay long-term capital gains versus under a year, short-term capital gains. Now, there are some unique structures that are out there, fund structures and and this is most people have no idea about this you can actually roll your 1031 proceeds into a fund so you don't do it directly you do it indirectly you do it directly into deeded property cuz that's one of the IRS criteria but then you can transfer the deeded property into the fund so you have exposure to all the assets to mitigate and minimize risk and then whenever they sell that asset you would then be directed back into the deeded property And then out to sell and you could do it all over again. And so I don't know if you've looked into that at all. But that's a great way to really game the system, hack the system. You're all within IRS code and and guidelines. But this is kind of like a a very... It's a a not well-known little niche in the marketplace.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely not well-known because I just learned about this recently. So I'm trying to figure it out. The problem I'm running into is that you normally have to have a capital gain of like... 500 to a million to make it worth their time because it comes with all the paperwork and the fees and the legal and everything. So still trying to figure that out. But I, I have some learning to do. So I'm excited.
0: Well, I have a handful of contacts that I can put you in touch with for people that I know do this Oh, thank you on a pretty regular basis. So we can awesome. have some fun here. This is really <laughs> cool. And then in a worst case scenario, one of the things that I like to tell people you're doing it, whenever you do a 1031, you have to declare the properties that you're going to do the exchange into, and you've got to do it ahead of time. So there's a period of time where you have to declare it. There's a period of time where you then have... So let's say that I declare a property, it doesn't end up working out, but my window for finding it is gone. Well, then you know, you're know you kind of out of luck. But one of the things I like to tell people is you can list a DST, a Delaware Statutory Trust, as one of your identified properties. And if you can't end up making one of the other two, generally you would declare three, you can do more. But uh, if you can't make those ones work, you at least have a backup plan to roll it into this entity. And that one's actually easier one to do. There are just some costs associated with it. So Mm, that could be something to look into.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you. I'm going to look it up.
0: Yeah, this is fun stuff. This to me is where it gets really cool, where you're finding all these cool little tricks of the trade.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: That's awesome. Well, that's cool that you're looking to move into another aspect of your life professionally and and do some new things. That's awesome. Yeah,
1: thanks. It's it's a really exciting time. You know, a lot of people look at me and they're like, "Well, you're not retired. You're you're still working." And I'm like, "Well, of course I'm still working. I'm I'm 28. I mean, I have the rest of my life. What am I going to do? I I get bored very easily, so certainly we have plans to travel certainly I could go to the beach, but I get bored very easily. So it's not that I don't want to ever work again. It's that I now get to work on what fulfills me. And I get to work when, where, and if I want. And And life just becomes a lot more exciting and fun when you get to be in that position. So I'm very fortunate and very grateful.
0: Well, and for the record, I, I want to share with you know our audience that When we first were connecting to get a time in, you had reached out at a time that was busy for me because I had just put the book out and I was a a bit overwhelmed with the response that I got. And so uh, I was not quick to respond. But when I did get through to it, number one, uh, I was connected to you. Number two, you had an assistant that helped set everything up. And number three, you had a time frame that you had already committed to taking off that you didn't break. And that was probably, I think it was closer to the holidays. Mm-hmm. And it was really cool that even though, you know, we wanted to connect and we wanted to do something, you had that in place. And so to me, I was like, great. She's living a lifestyle that is focused on that first. And I thought that was cool. So not only do you have someone that can help Protect you and be a gatekeeper and help you know set you up and and do some of the things that you don't really need to do, but you honored this time and so you know we got in the books for you know probably a month and a half or two months later uh, once you were back to working again and so I want people to know that you walk the talk when you say that you have retired. Of course, you are working because who is going to fully retire? at age 27. I mean, I I was able to by age 37. So you beat me by a decade. And there's (laughs) no way on earth I was going to fully retire. The idea is to just work when you want, however you want, with who you want for as long or short of a period of time as you want with as many sabbaticals in between as you choose to take. And so you're a walking, talking, living, breathing example of that that I hope people will follow.
1: Well thank you and I I really appreciate you saying that Justin because I do sometimes feel guilt over saying no to somebody or over saying oh I will have to wait two months to connect because my schedule is booked and and maybe you feel this way too but it's you know there's so many people that that message and they have financial questions and it's this mindset, it's this constant struggle of like well yeah I want to help these people this is what I'm doing now I'm passionate about this but then also realizing that if I spend all day answering kind of the one on one free questions, then I can't create more content and more books and more courses that could potentially impact thousands or tens of thousands of people. So, and maybe I don't know if you've experienced that or not, but there's a lot of guilt that comes with, I don't know, being a, a retired, you know, a financially independent entrepreneur. I just want to help everyone I can, but not always in the way that I think I should. I, I don't know if that makes sense.
0: It does and I can relate to it more than you probably realize because I was not prepared for the onslaught of what kind of happened after I put my book out. I just I just I guess naively thought that when you put a book out that, you know, some people may be interested and that's kind of it. I mean I've had not a lot when you are a Wall
1: Street Journal bestseller.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. I mean it was it was really a pleasant surprise on that too. I mean that that garnered some uh some attention. But I just... I wasn't prepared. I didn't know that it was going to be... I, I'm friends with a ton of authors and and this has never happened to them. And so I built my business, this Lifestyle Investor. This was a hobby. This was like you know me as a practitioner. And then my friends wanted to know what I was doing. So I started teaching people what I was doing. And I really built this business because it was fun. I wanted to teach people how to do it. But it was to teach them on my time how to do it. And so I didn't anticipate that it was going to scale. I didn't have like the infrastructure set up. I had, you know, we were talking Mm -hmm. about this before the call. I had an executive assistant for years in the different businesses that I've been part of. And I've got this amazing person, Mary Ortman, who I have worked with for 17 years now. She's been involved in every business I've ever done. And she's just been tremendous. But I put her in charge of all of our real estate. And uh, because I, at that point in time, you know, I had, you know, quote unquote, retired I didn't have any need for an executive assistant. At least I didn't think. So I put her in charge and she is just doing such a great job with our real estate. So much better than I ever did. So much better than my wife and I as a team ever did. And so she belongs in that role. But uh, after the book came out, I mean, so what is it? We're, we're literally almost 2 months to the day of the book launch. And I'm still getting over a 1000 pieces of you know, emails, DMs, some form of correspondence communication a week right now. And I did not anticipate that I have been trying to figure out how to properly handle that. And so I brought on an executive assistant, I've got a couple of virtual assistants. I mean, I have a team But I was never planning to scale this business. This was just my fun business. So (laughs) it's been an interesting ride to say the least, Rachel. So
1: Well, for sure. For sure. And that's amazing.
0: It's a wonderful thing because there's true impact. But at the same time, in order for me to be authentic to the brand that I've created, I actually have to create and put in place some better systems to protect Mm -hmm. my time like you said, to put out more content and to focus on, to give my mastermind and my private clients the time that they need. But also at the root of all of it is to make sure that my family is getting the lion's share of my time and that I'm focused on living life in a way that is very fun and inspiring and, and using my gifts in a way uh, that allows me to serve the world.
1: Absolutely. I really think it's about knowing your values, living to them. And how Elrod always says, you know, living in complete alignment with your values. And I think it's an important lesson for anyone listening that if you want to get on someone's radar or if you want to ask them a question, you know, find a way to stand out. Find a way that you can actually add value first. Like, can you leave them a 5-star review on their book? Can you buy their book and read their book and then leave a 5-star review and share it on your Instagram and then you reach out and ask a question. Because I promise you as, a, an, as an influencer, I'm 100% responsive to those people or a lot more at least to those people than the ones that might just kind of ask me a question without reading my book. And, and I don't mean that in a mean way, of course. But I think the lesson is just add value first and then ask for something afterwards.
0: And you walk that talk as well because the first real interaction we had was... Instead of you saying, Hey, you know, I need something from you, Justin. It was, Hey, your book's out. I got it. It's great. I'm going to leave a review. Your podcast is great. I'm going to leave a review on that. I mean, you really went to... You went out of your way to add value. And then ironically, just yesterday, I got a card from you, which is really kind. (laughs) Just you know, as a thank you for uh, just a connection that I was able to make. And for you know, having you join some of our lifestyle investor calls and investment deals. And so I just thought, wow, what a thoughtful person that is doing the right things to be memorable and to add value. And so other people will want to show up in their life. I think that's so cool.
1: Well, thank you. I feel so affirmed. I, you're building <laughs> me up so much. Thank you.
0: <laughs> well, it's easy when it's what you're doing. So I think that's cool. I'm, I'm curious... Who are some of your big mentors? I know that you had talked about reading some Robert Kiyosaki books early on and and Mm. that he was a huge mentor to me too. He probably doesn't know it. Maybe he's listened to a podcast or maybe he's read the book. Who knows? In fact, I need to get it in his hands because I give him a shout out because he was a huge mentor to me. uh, And I've read virtually everything he's written. I'm curious who all have been there in your world to impact and influence you, whether it be in person, or whether it be from afar?
1: So many people. One that comes to mind immediately is Hal Elrod. I mentioned him earlier, but you know, being an entrepreneur, a lot of us feel burnt out. A lot of us deal with stress. And for me, at least in my journey a couple of years ago, it led to anxiety and then depression. And I've been very public and open about that because I think there's so many stigmas against mental health, but it's very common, nothing wrong with it. But the Miracle Morning helped me through that in a way that nothing else did. So like, I'm eternally grateful to Hal. I also got to interview him in my second book, which was fun. But he's just amazing. He's an amazing person. And then another person is actually Honoré
0: Corder. Do you know Honoré? I do. Yeah, I just had a call with her last week.
1: Oh my gosh, too funny. Yeah, so she is actually my mentor right now. I'm in her mastermind. And she partnered with Hal to expand his Miracle Morning series. She's written over 50 books. She's a book coach. One of my mistakes in growing and scaling my business is that after I quit my job, I remember kind of looking around and being like, okay, what do I do now? How the heck do I get from point A to point B? And just having this realization that I don't know what the heck I'm doing. (laughs) And it took me way too long to realize I need to pay money to an expert to help me get there. Because yes, I could probably figure it out on my own, but it would cost me a lot of money and it would take me a lot of time. Whereas I realized I needed to surround myself with people who were already 5 or 10 steps ahead of me and learn from them. And one of the ways to do that is to pay them <laughs> to be in their circle. So that's who Honoré is for me. And she's really helped me develop things like online courses and doing webinars and scaling and growing my business. So it's just you know another lesson I learned, another mistake I made about being too frugal, being too cheap, and how that can cost you in the long run. But she's definitely one of my biggest mentors.
0: That's so great. And you hit the nail on the head. It is so important that you are intentional with who you spend time with. Number one, your peer group is going to influence you more than you probably realize. I've talked about this a ton, it's part of my 10th commandment. But mentors and coaches, they really operate at a level that is kind of working on the business or on their clients versus in the business or in life. And so there's a different perspective. There's also, you know, I always talk about whenever you hire someone, make sure that they've done what it is that you want to do. So it's not just like a life coach that is giving you life advice that they've never done. And by the way, there could be good perspective there. I'm not saying that that's not right. But if you have big goals and there are things that you want to do, you should coach with people that have done the exact same thing that you want to do. And you should pay if you need to pay to gain access to these people. The only foot you might get in the door is to get lucky enough to interview and get accepted into their mastermind and pay to be a member of that group. And then you can develop a relationship, but you get exposure to them. You get exposure to their mindset, their beliefs, the community that they're in. I mean, that's the game changer. And I love that you're doing that.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I often hold myself back in so many ways. One of them is not investing in myself when I need it. One of them is not outsourcing stuff to other people so it's just it 's this lesson that I learn over and over again, but it 's an important one well
0: it 's some of the best money you ever spend. you know I put in my book that i 've spent right around a million dollars i mean it's it 's over that at this point on coaches and events and seminars and training and everything else just to make sure that i 'm feeding myself first so that I have the health and the vitality to be able to learn and grow and, and get exposure to the other things in life that I want exposure to, you know, and and I think uh, a lot of people underestimate the power of a strong network and they underestimate the power of education and and constantly. And when I say education, I don't mean formal education. I don't mean going to college, (laughs) you know, I mean like your ongoing education that you're a lifelong learner and education should never end. And the best education you get is the education you choose to get once you're done with formal education. And so I'm just such a huge proponent of that. I love seeing you do that and live that. And I'm really excited for you to build more products in your world around that. I think that that is just uh, such a cool next step for you, Rachel.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Couldn't agree more.
0: And you've got another book that I'd love to talk about as well. And you haven't mentioned it at all. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull it out <laughs> of you here. So what what's your newest book?
1: Yes, my second book, Passive Income, Aggressive Retirement. Came out in 2019, and it's because that was the year that I quit my job and retired. And so once I started telling my readers I'm about to quit my job, and but you know at that point I had $10,000 a month in passive income, and they were like, "How? You're 27. What do you mean? How are you doing this?" <laughs> so, so I could tell there was this thirst for this knowledge of what is passive income, how can people create passive income? Passive income to me is one of the most brilliant things you can have because it's money that is earned with little to no ongoing effort. So it's residual income. It's literally money that you make while you sleep. It sounds too good to be true, but it's not. And it's definitely no get rich quick scheme. It takes time or money to create. But I became obsessed with passive income. So I wrote a whole book about it and it basically shows 28 different passive income models. So trust me when I say that there is something out there for everybody.
0: That's awesome. And what else? You have other projects that you're working on. Don't you have another book as well?
1: I'm thinking about writing a third book about real estate investing because that's what people want right now from me. But I do have an online course called Get Your Financial Shit Together. So (laughs) as you can tell, it's sassy and fun and it's just about the basics of money management. It goes along with my first book, Money, Honey. But you know, really the epiphany I had there is that there's a lot of emphasis on learning and consuming knowledge. And yes, I think my book is great, but it's not great unless it's implemented. So a lot of people will read a book, but then what do they do? What action are they taking from that book? So I thought, well, what if I could create something, an environment where I can give people the structure and the support and the accountability they need to actually take action on what they're learning and really ensure success? So that's what I wanted to do with my online course. And so far, that's been so much fun for me. And I've helped a lot of people. But that's fun. I'm going to have that real estate investing course coming up. I have a mastermind for women. So I got a lot of stuff going on.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. Well, I love hearing about it. Where can our uh, viewers and listeners get a chance to find out more about you online?
1: Thanks, Justin. Yeah. My Instagram handle is Rachel. And what I would love to do for your listeners, if anyone wants to download my Passive Income Starter Kit for free, I will give that for free. So you can go to moneyhoneyrachel.com slash bonus.
0: Awesome. Well, we will get that in the show notes for sure. And uh, I just want to thank you so much for your time in joining us here today and for sharing your story and opening up about what it was like, what it was like before passive income, what it was like having the idea to start and I guess move down this path that is kind of scary and out of the norm to now being at a point where you have all the passive income that you need. And you're even at a place where you're like, Hey, I could sell these properties. I can roll this into something else where I still have passive income, but I have even less responsibility. And I think it's cool watching you continue to up your game. So congratulations.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much, Justin. It's a pleasure. I really appreciate it.
0: Well, and I just, I want to leave all of our, our listeners and our viewers with one last thought. And this one's so important. I talk about this every single week. And that is this, take some sort of action towards financial freedom. Just one step. It can be a small step, but take that action today. And instead of living a life by default, live a life by design, a life that is exciting and is exhilarating, that you have a lot of passion in. And I can guarantee to you, when you have more money, you can solve your financial problems much easier. And so money doesn't solve all your problems, but it's gonna solve your financial problems. (laughs) And when those are solved, life gets a lot easier and a lot more fun. And when financial freedom is the crux of it all, it's amazing what you can accomplish. And I think that you are such a great walking testimonial of that, Rachel, because you've done it. And you've been in the position that a lot of our listeners either have been in or are currently in today. So you're inspiring people to know that they can do exactly what you've done. So thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you too. I really appreciate it.